we go. Good job. All right. Great to have you guys today. And I just want to thank you for being here. We had such a full house in the first service. It was like 150 people in here. It was crazy good. And so you actually are going to get the benefit of the better air conditioning now. Just letting you know. All right. Blankets are available in the back corner if you need them. Okay. All right. I also have the awesome opportunity to introduce our series and our speakers to you. If you haven't figured that out yet, we are on a new series called Jesus Is, and we're very excited. Pastor Nathan is on sabbatical, so that means he's going to be gone. He's off-site for the, for the month, and he's actually hand-selected some friends of the house to actually um, come to the platform and give a message. And we're so excited about that because what it does is it shows just this beautiful trust he has in those people. And also, he's building up people. If you haven't figured that out, Nathan, Pastor Nathan is a builder of people, and he's a builder of the house always. So can we give him a hand just for that, right? What's incredible, though, is as we look at each speaker and we look at the series title, Jesus Is, it's actually each speaker is going to come up and give you a dimension of who Jesus is. Tammy McKibben was our speaker this morning, and she talked about how Jesus is human. And it was an incredible message that brought the humanness truly to the forefront and helped us clearly understand that Jesus has walked in everything that you and I have walked in. If you need to hear that message, I recommend you get back online and find it and listen to it because it was, it was amazing. And our next speaker, he is going to actually speak about Jesus is the shepherd. And we need that shepherd. We need that good shepherd in our lives. He's going to deliver that message. But I want you to also see that each speaker that comes up here is actually truly a reflection of Jesus themselves. This speaker in particular, I'm quite fond of. I've been married to him for almost 32 years. Yes. It's actually, I have to tell you, is quite interesting to see him walk up next to me, and as I'm doing announcements, he's doing the speaking this time, and he has the microphone on, and I can't wait to get a photo of that and send it to our children. I'm honored because he's incredible. He's put up a lot with a lot with me. He is the biggest fan and an encourager and lover of people and hard worker that I know. I could not have done this life without him, and I never would want to. And so I am honored to um, introduce to you my husband, Scott Ferris. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, enjoy. He's a man. <laughs> Thank you, dear. Wow, I don't know if I can follow that so well, but I'll, I'll, do my, I'll do my very best. So good morning, Thrive Community Church. What a great way to start off the morning. I wish we had some baptisms that you could have seen. I was, I was able to get in on the first service a little bit and watch some of it. It is my favorite, one of my favorite days in church, watching people take that next step of their faith, taking, working on their faith journey, watching people grow. It's just amazing. It's, it's so exciting. Well, we're glad we're all here today. I think summer is pretty much officially here now. I would probably say that, yeah. Hot summer days, lots of activities outside, and hopefully there's going to be a lot of activities that involve water. I know, I know that when we, were, when we were raising our kids, it didn't take much to keep them entertained outside. You got the sprinkler on, and boom, you got, some, you got some fun activity. Yeah, I was right out there with them. 
Yeah. So I hope in today's message you get to hear God's word and be refreshed as the, the, the summer days with the cold water. I will be speaking, well, well, like Stephanie said, we're actually, we're on a series of Jesus. I get to be speaking on, on the shepherd and what the shepherd does and all the different characteristics that Jesus, Jesus is about a shepherd. The bulk about what we're going to be talking about is, comes out of Psalm 23. But before we do that, let's, uh, let's draw a little picture of what, what the church is. The Bible talks about the church in a lot of different ways. But we're just going to, we're going to talk about kind of three of them. One, it's a family, it's a fellowship, and it's a flock. Really important, it's a flock. So let's hold on to that idea, and let's look at Psalm 103. Know that the Lord is God. It is who made us, and we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Sheep of his pasture. Hold on to that thought. We are his sheep. And let's look into John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand. He cares nothing for the sheep. I am a shepherd. I am a good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So let's take a, a little closer look at the scripture before we get diving into Psalm 23. We know that the thief is Satan. And isn't it interesting that right after he tells, tells us what Satan is going to do, he gives, he gives his plans away, steal, kill, and destroy. Right after that, Jesus comes back and he says, I am here to give you life and life to the full. It's like Jesus is giving us a little shot into his window of what's happening. You've got Satan here. He wants to do this. But don't worry. I am here. I can give you life and give you to the full. It's our choice. Yeah, so don't be afraid. And then, then a little bit later, he says, I am the good shepherd. You notice that he said, I am a good shepherd. He didn't say, I was like a good shepherd. He said, I am a good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. There's no, there's no gray area in what he's, what he's saying. I am the good shepherd. So he lays down his life for the sheep. This is exactly what he did when he went to the cross. This is what he did for us, for you and for me. This is how much he loves us. Near the end of the passage, he states again, I am the good shepherd. You ever talk to somebody and you, you start, you really want to get a point across to them, so you start repeating what you say? You got to say it over and over again. I know I need to be repeated to sometimes before I catch it. Yeah. So since Jesus is saying, I am a good shepherd, 
Don't you think maybe we ought to pay attention to that? If he's repeating himself, he's telling us, look, I got you. I am the good shepherd. Yeah. So let's, so let's lock onto the truth that he is our good shepherd and we are his sheep. And let's take a look at Psalm 23. Let's dive into this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Isn't it interesting? The first one. Well, let's take, let's take a look at, at all, all three of these verses, one by one. By one. And out of, out of these verses, we're going to pull that the good shepherd provides, he protects, and he promises. And in the first verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. This means the good shepherd provides for us. He gives us everything that we need. The Hebrew word for want is lack. I think he kind of gives us a little bit better description of what it, what it is. It's, it's lack. It's not needs or wants. He provides what we need. He knows us so well that he knows what we need, not necessarily what we want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in lack. Our lack can be of many different forms. It could be a physical, mental, spiritual, whatever the case may be. All of us have walked in here today with something on our hearts. And he is there for us, to help us, to lead us, to guide us through all those things. No matter what it is, he will provide for us. And, we will, and if we let him, he will get to be the shepherd of every area of our life. The passage reminds me of when our kids were younger and they wanted to get something from us. So when they were about seven, eight, nine years old, they'd always come up and go, Mom, Dad, I need this. Yeah, well, we would go, you really need this? Yeah, well, that's not so much the case. Well, as they got older and they got to be able to go on some mission trips, they learned the difference between need and want. And I remember when I took a trip down to the Dominican Republic many, many years ago, I had never seen third world countries. I didn't know what it looked like. All I, my experience was was on TV, magazines, whatever the case may be. Well, then you get down there and you see a family living in the room about the size of this connect room. The average family size down there is six kids. So if you can imagine, you've got six kids and two adults living in that connect room. Oh, and by the way, there's no plumbing. Okay? Yeah. It's just unfathomable what they, what they do and how they make it work. And they also, they have no governmental system. They have no security blanket. There is no social security down there. They just can't run to the post office and get, and get a check. It doesn't happen. I remember one time, a group of us that were on the, on the trip, we all got into a bus and we drove about an hour into, into the barrios way out in, you talk about nowhere land, this was nowhere, nowhere land. So we get there, and we climb up a hill, 
And in the top of the hill is a three-room classroom. And that's where the medical team sets up shop. So we get all set up, and next thing you know, all the people start flowing in. There must have been about 100-some-odd people there. And those people were there all day long. There was no shade, and they were out in the hot sun. They were making it the best of what they, what they could. So at the end of the day, some of them still didn't get treatment. And it just broke my heart because at the end of the day, all I could think about was we're getting back on this bus, and I can look at all the faces and see of these families that they never even received some of the medical attention that they needed. These people are living out in the sticks, and they've waited all day long out there. You know, we, we back in the States, we wait 30, 60 minutes in an air conditioning hospital or emergency room to see a doctor, and we get, we get all bent out of shape over that. You know, it's, it's a completely different scenario. Yeah. So after, uh, after spending a week down there, my heart was changed. It was changed forever. It's pretty interesting how society likes to mix the words need and want. Well, after I, after I had been down there, I realized that there is a huge chasm between need and want. So let's look at verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He makes me lie down. When do you normally lie down? When you're tired? Maybe you're not feeling real well? Or maybe you just want to kick back and relax for the day? Whatever the case may be, lying down is a posture of rest and contentment. Contentment. It's not something we hear much of anymore, is it? We hear a lot about discontentment. We got a lot of people that wants to share about their discontentment and what's going on in the world around them and what isn't, what isn't going well for them. But contentment isn't something that we talk about very much. But you know what? We don't have to get caught up into that. We don't have to listen to and or talk more about discontentment. So let me ask you this. Are you content? Are you content with who the Lord made you to be? Are you content with the gifts and the talents that he's given you? Or do you compare? I got I to gotta tell you, I've done enough comparing for two lifetimes before I've kind of finally figured it out. Yeah, comparison is a road to discontentment, plain and simple. You'll never win that game. You will just never win that game. He has made us to be individuals and unique in every situation. But on, on the other side, too, contentment doesn't mean laziness. A lot of times people will talk about contentment, and they, they get this idea in their head that it's laziness. It's not. Lazy, or contentment is not lazy. Jesus loves us right where we're at, but he wants more for us. He wants us to grow. He wants us to be in a stronger relationship with him. He has better plans for us. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope 
and a future. This plan of prosperity works from the inside out. He wants to hear, heal our insides. He wants to heal every wound that's inside of us. And from that, the overflow of that is, is joy. We get to glorify him as we get healed from our insides out. He has an abundance waiting for us on the outside if we give our hearts to him and if we align him with our will. Later in the verse, it talks about green pastures. This is kind of a metaphor for, for things that make, uh, make life flourish. Just think, how sweet is all this? He wants us to be contentment and rest and flourish in green pastures. The whole process, he will give us nourishment through the green pastures so we can feed upon them in order to flourish. We could stop right there with contentment, nourishment, and, and how good would that be to be in that space all the time? It pretty much covers all the bases. Rest, contentment, nourishment kind of covers it all. But God's abundance is still greater than our our understanding. He leads me beside quiet waters. Notice he did not say stormy waters, but quiet waters. Has anybody been in a, in a space where you've watched turbulent waters? You're not, you're not relaxed when you're watching those. You're just kind of going, whoa, this is amazing. Yeah, I'm sorry, but level five rapids are not calming. Yes, those of you that have been on a kayak at level five, that's not calming. It's not relaxing. Yeah. But I will tell you, living in a space where there's a pond, maybe some backwaters, it's serene. And I think everybody's had an opportunity to feel that. We've got lakes all around here. There's a reason that everybody wants to be on the lake. It's kind of calming. Brings the stress level way down. Yes. This reminds us of our, or it kind of reminds us of, uh, reminds me of the, the home that we had back in Illinois before we moved down here. It was a condo right on the river, right on the Illinois River. And it faced east, and there was just nothing but glass all along the side of the, the side of the house. It was beautiful. And so we got to watch a lot of sunrises. Well, Steph got to watch more than I did because she was usually the one that was up before I was. So she usually, she usually caught it before I did. Yes. But my favorite part of the, of the morning is when the sun would come on up and the, and the river would just have those little tiny ripples, you know, and then the sun would just sparkle, just sparkle right off the top of the water. That was my all-time favorite. I caught myself sometimes just sitting there, just dumbfounded, just, just watching, watching the good Lord's light show go on right, right in front of us. There was many times that Seth and I, we would be on the, on the porch swing together, and we wouldn't be saying, we wouldn't say two words to one another. We'd just be watching the river, just nice and calm, and then all of a sudden, I got to go to work. <laughs> You know, we'd, re we'd realize, oh my gosh, we got to go to work. And I would look at Steph and go, this place is so demotivating. I'd nobody, yeah, I don't want to get up off the swing. I don't, I don't want to go to work. Steph doesn't want to get up and do anything. Yes. 
but it's so, so peaceful in that spot. It's just such a blessing. But yet he still desires more for us. Let's take a look at, he restores my soul. What does the soul consist of? Mind, will, and emotion. It's great to know that he wants to refresh every part of us. Not just our bodies, not just our minds, but everything. Everything that we've brought into this place, he wants to restore. He wants to make fresh. Here at Thrive, we want to do the same thing. We have opportunities here to thrive, to, that partner with the Lord about bringing wholeness, and that's their freedom ministries. Our people are simply the conduit for what the Lord is going to do. We have our, our, the number of the people that are in freedom ministries that can bring healing to, healing to others. They are simply just the conduit to bring peace and rest to your soul. One of the other ways that he provides, us, provides for us is through guidance. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Some versions say leads, leads me in the paths of righteousness. Notice he says leads, he doesn't say drive. <laughs> Some animals can be driven. Sheep, they have to be led. They have to be led. I'm a, I'm a little bit of, I'm a carpenter guy, so anybody who's got a, a string, you ever try pushing a string? Yeah, it doesn't work. You got to tie the string and you got to lead it. You got to lead it along. Yes, just like the good Lord leads us, leads us. John 10:27 says, "My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me." There are two verbs in this passage. The first one is listen. Are we listening to him? Do we hear his voice? Are the ears of our hearts open all the time to hear him? No matter what's going on, no matter the chaos that's going on around us? It's a lot easier said than done, isn't it? The great part of this is we are all wired to hear his voice. It just takes a little bit of practice, and we can all hear him. Quick story about listening. Many times when uh, Steph and I were on family vacations, especially when the kids were younger, we went to Disneyland one time and some other amusement parks and so forth. So there's a lot of people, a lot of chaos going around. And I would have maybe a couple kids with me and Steph would have one. And so we would, we would go about our ways and Steph would be somewhere and we'd just wander about. And then all of a sudden I heard this whistle. Boom, Steph would whistle. And I knew exactly what that was. I would stop. I heard, looked, found the direction where the whistle was, marched right back to Steph. We got reunited again. I knew what her whistle sounded like. Sometimes we, she had to use that whistle just at home. Sometimes I'd be leaving, leaving the house. I'd be in my truck, running, pulling out of the driveway. Steph would remember that she had to, had to connect with me for something. All of a sudden, she'd put the whistle on. Man, the brakes slammed on, and I was... Standing at attention, waiting to see what, see what it was. But I knew her whistle. I could, always, I could always hear that. To this day, I know that sound. 
I stop. I listen. Second is follow. After we hear his voice, do we follow what he says? I don't know about you, but way too many times I have heard him, but I didn't follow through. I didn't do what he asked. And then I start to, I start to talk negatively to myself. Why didn't you listen? What's going on? Why didn't I do what he said? On the other hand, when I do follow through, I have the benefits and the joy that it brings of knowing that I did what, did what he asked me to do. It's not always easy, especially when he tells us in the middle part of Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to prosper you, and not for disaster, but to give you a future and a hope. Prosperity can apply to a lot of different areas of life. A lot of times we think of prosperity as money. Perhaps we should talk about prosperity of the heart, prosperity of the mind, our emotions. I know I certainly do feel better when I follow what he says. It sure does bring me a much more peaceful feeling in my heart. So let's take a look at the next thing the shepherd does. He protects. He promises and he protects. Psalm 23 and verse 4 and 5. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Going through the valley of the shadow of death and not fearing implies protection. He is always with us, no matter what the circumstances. One of our biggest fears is death. People will say, well, I'm afraid of heights. Well, yeah, you may be afraid of heights, but you're probably more afraid of falling off and, getting, and being killed. Or some people say, well, I don't like to fly in planes. Well, it's probably be because you're more afraid of, the, of the pl getting into the plane and the plane crashing and being killed. So death, death is really at the core of what we're afraid of. And isn't it great to know that one of our biggest fears has already been conquered? He did it on the cross. Amen to that. Amen to that. Yeah, he has gotten rid of it. He's already won the battle. Here are some other ways that he protects us. Look at verse 4. You are with me. No matter the situation or whatever we're facing, he is with us. Most importantly, he is with us in our battles. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff are used to, for protection against the wolf, the devil. The sheep are comforted in knowing that that good shepherd is going to protect them. That's why the good shepherd has those things. Sometimes the rod and staff is used to protect the sheep themselves. Sheep are known to wander off, and at times, the shepherd has to kind of gently tap them, bring them back into the herd, make sure they're all together, making sure they're all going in the right direction. Don't we need that sometimes? We need to be tapped on the shoulder. How many times have you heard a gentle word from the Lord, and he says, don't go there. 
don't do that. You're about ready to say something that you're going to regret. That's his, that's his staff just tapping you on the shoulder going, come on, come on, get back in the herd. I'm trying to help you here. I'm not going to hit you. And for me, I know there have been times, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, where I feel like he's taking that hook and going, whoa. Because <laughs> I, I, I wasn't a good listener. I wasn't a good listener. So thank goodness he doesn't hit us with his rod and his staff. But what he did do is he let his son get hit. He let his son get beaten for us so that we had a way. This is how much he loves us. And through his abundant love, he also blesses us. Look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Take a moment to picture this in your mind. You're stepping onto a battlefield. Well, most of the time, if you're in battle, you're down on your hands and knees, you're hiding behind trees, whatever the case may be. You don't want the enemy to see you. But you look out in the battlefield, and there's Jesus. He's out there. He's got this beautiful table spread on out. And so you just walk right on out in the battlefield with total confidence. Wide out in the open, there's your enemy. You're not afraid. You walk up to this table, big long table. It's got all this food spread out, every wonderful food that you can imagine, beautifully plated. And there's Jesus just sitting right down. He looks over and he says, come here. I got a place for you, right here. Come, eat with me. Wow. You talk about comfort and being in the presence of the Lord. Holy smokes, that's awesome. That is awesome. We don't have to worry about the enemy. He's not worried about it. All we need to do is be in his presence. Yeah, let him fight the battle. Remember in Ephesians 6.12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but the rulers, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul is reminding us where the true battle is taking place. So wouldn't it be a whole lot, wouldn't it make it a whole lot more sense for us to come into his presence? and be calm, and rest, and refreshed. Come, sit at my table. Look at the second part of the verse. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Isn't it interesting that he doesn't say that his cup is full? He says it's overflowing. This cup is overflowing. This means that there's more than enough. So when it's 100 plus degrees outside, out there, and you've got your tumbler, your 32-ounce tumbler, and you get a little four ounces of water or sweet tea in there, you think that's going to be enough? I don't think so. You're going to want that cup full, and you're, wanting to go, you're going to want to go back and fill that up again and again, as much as it takes. That is what the Lord is saying. My abundance is more to overflowing. He provides more than we can handle. We have talked about how God provides and how he protects. And really, a thought about provision and protection, um, I just learned not too long ago. Yeah, and that it really doesn't come from us. 
We are not the providers or the protectors. We are simply the conduit from which it flows through. We have, man, I know this may be a little tough one for us to, to choke down, but we are not the providers. We have been, we have been raised to be the hunters, the gatherers, the warriors for our family. I get it. Every man in here knows what that feels like. Yeah, but I have spent my entire life bearing the burden of provision through long hours of work, through anxiety, through all sorts of different types of stress and strain that's been put on my family. But we need, we need to work within his parameters. My heart posture was not right. I wasn't working for the Lord. I was working for myself. Last weekend, Pastor Nathan did an excellent job of explaining the importance of the Sabbath and the benefits of working within those Lord's parameters to get us the correct heart posture. Colossians 3.23 states, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, for, not for human masters. It does not take long to figure out that there is an order for everything, for everything. As long as we stay within those parameters that he's given us, we can be fruitful and glorify him. The other topic was protection. As much as we want to think we can protect, we can only do so much. There's just a little bit that we can, that we can do. Stephanie and I have three beautiful children, and as they were growing up, we did our very, very best to protect them. And every parent in here knows what that feels like. You want to protect them from all so much that's, that's out there. But as they get older, we realize we can't. We can't protect them from everything. So who does protect? Jesus. This is the same answer I get when, I, when I'm in the four and five-year-old classrooms when I ask them a question. And every answer is, Jesus. That's, what, that's all we got to remember. So we've talked, we've talked an awful lot about how Jesus is a good shepherd. He provides. He protects. And the third attribute about Jesus is he promises. Psalm 23, 6. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Some versions use the word mercy. We're probably a little bit more familiar with that version with that translation. So I'm going to substitute the word mercy for love. There are a few points within this passage that we should bring, that should bring priests to, priests, uh, priests, whew, I wish I was a priest, peace to all of us. Let's look at the first part of the verse. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. The word surely is an adverb. It's being used as certainty. Sometimes some verses use the word certain rather than surely. It's certainty, it's sure. You can count on it. The NASB version uses the word certainly in place of surely because it's so foundational. It's a promise. It's a truth that we can stand on. Goodness and mercy, follow me. 
In the Hebrew, follow means chase. So this means goodness and mercy are chasing after us. What a fantastic truth that is. If you don't think you're lovable, you're wrong. The one who created everything is chasing, chasing after you. All we have to do is slow down and let him catch us. We need to take a, take a breather, let the world go in this craziness and stop and let him catch us. Yeah. Imagine, imagine if your best friend was running after you that had a gift and all I wanted to do was, was be with you in your, in your presence and, and share a gift with you. It's the same thing. Well, we're not, gonna, we're not gonna run from that. If our best friend is running after us, that's the same thing Jesus is trying to do. He's running after us because he wants to give us his gift of goodness and mercy. All we need to do is accept it. Second part of the verse is the very best. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Promise of eternal life. Our imaginations cannot even fathom what that's going to look like. What an incomparable promise that is. When we accept Jesus into our hearts, that's what we have to look forward to. So as we wind up the message, let's paraphrase. Jesus is our good shepherd. He provides for us. He protects us. And he gives us his promises. John 10 reminds us, I am a good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So let us never forget what Jesus did as our shepherd when he came to dwell among us. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. Isaiah 53, 7 says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. People, Jesus is our good shepherd. This is great news. We get to hear his voice. We get to be led into green pastures. We get to be nourished and we get to glorify him. Wow, what a sweet gig that is. So, for all the kid, kiddom that's still left in us, and because I'm teaching the four and five-year-old room, everybody loves visuals. So let's do this again. So we get to hear his voice. We get to be led into green pastures. We get to be nourished, and we get to glorify him. Amen. Thank you.